All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for making time for us on your Friday night. I I jinxed everybody. It's my fault. I said I had a good feeling about tonight. I had a feeling that the Lakers were going to build off of their positive momentum from the last couple of games. Not not the results, because obviously they played some bad teams, but I thought they had some better process in a lot of ways. And boy, was I wrong. And I was super annoyed with the process most of the night. I they, they started to get a little bit on track in some areas of the game as the game progressed. But, you know, tonight when guys are banking in threes, I, you know, I'm a, long, I'm a firm believer that that's the basketball gods. When you play like you deserve to lose, things start to happen at the end of the game as if you deserve to lose. And uh, that's kind of where, where my head's at right at this exact moment in time. Got a ton of thoughts, but before we get too deep into it, Raj, how you doing, man? How's your week been so far? Are you as annoyed as I am? Yeah, I mean, oh, happy Friday to you and everyone in here. Again, appreciate everyone that comes out and hangs out after another just awful way. That's probably the worst way to lose, right? A close game, a game where you never could take the lead, it, which is very frustrating. So every time you get it within two, the Clippers hit like two threes, and then again it's eight, and then again it's ten. It felt like just an uphill battle all game. And yeah, you're right, just a bunch of frustrating things. I thought Ty Lue coached a hell of a game. I thought after every timeout, the Clippers came out and got exactly what they wanted. I guess we can go chronological here. Like I thought the starting lineup, about you, but I was annoyed by it. And it's not Talon's fault. It's not THT's fault who – to be honest, did a nice job on Paul George. Like, I thought he did his role. Like, he fought him in isolation, made him take tough shots over the top. The spacing, again, was just absolutely disgusting to start the game. AD post-ups with Dwight Howard, THT on the opposite wing just looked really bad. Our defense was okay to start. I thought the Clippers missed a lot of open shots. And then we just fouled them a ton in the second quarter. So that was my biggest frustration. I thought we started off with bad process. And then once Malik Monk, you just saw the energy of the game change, I thought, when he came in. And they hunted him defensively for sure. That's why we had to start trapping Paul George. But I think this team needs to hurry up and realize who they are because this you can't go to these lineups. Like I get it. Dwight Howard for DJ was was definitely the right move. But then when you put Talon in there, you just, again, destroy your spacing. And I thought LeBron, Russ, and AD all, all kind of suffered for it. So, yeah, just a frustrating game. Just a total opposite spectrum, right? You watch the Clippers who just spread you out. It's pretty much a little bit of dribble penetration, kick out, kick out. They have three shooters that you have to close out hard to. And then the other side, it's AD, LeBron, and Russ trying to pound their, pound their way through like a bull in a china shop. It's just two totally te- teams on the opposite end of spectrum in terms of offense. But, yeah, it was hella frustrating to watch. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that the Lakers need to figure out who they are. Because mm-hmm. that's the, the, the detail that gets lost in all of this. The Clippers are a team that know what they're good at. They know what they do well, and they lean into those things. They know what they're bad at, and they stay away from those things. The Lakers are a team that are clearly internally unaware of what they're good at. Um, You look at uh, the Clippers, you're going to see a lot of Paul George attacking with dribble combinations leading into pull-up jump shots because that's what he's best at. That is his best skill. When you're looking at the very best of a Paul George game – It's all sorts of beautiful dribble combinations and jump shots from all over the floor. But AD, what does their best game look like? Their best game looks like if you're Anthony Davis, it's bullying guys and mismatches in the post. It's flying around on defense, making plays out of your area. It's LeBron getting downhill, 
creating for his teammates, generating high quality three point shots for his teammates, and then living at the rim when the other team ceases to help on his drives. And what you're seeing with exception of a little stretch there at the end of the third quarter, when Russ really started to put his head down, I saw a team that was settling all night long. And yes, spacing was part of it. We're going to talk about the starting lineup. It doesn't make any sense. It's totally redundant. It actively handicaps the team on offense. So we're going to get into that, but they didn't play with lineup the whole game. They played a large chunk of that game with AD at the five with a lot of shooting. And I saw dozens and dozens of opportunities where Russ in the first half, he was much better in the second half, but Russ in the first half and LeBron all game saw driving lanes and just chose to not attack because it was easier on their body. Maybe they're lazy. Yeah, I, I, I get it. LeBron's rusty. He's been in and out of the lineup, but for whatever reason, we do not embrace the fact that we are a downhill basket attacking team that generates high quality three point shots for our best shooters on kickouts. And until we accept that and embrace that, we are going to continue to flounder in mediocrity. That's just the reality of our predicament. Meanwhile, the Clippers who have significantly less talent than us because their best player, because they're leaning into their strengths, they're a better basketball team than us. They've played a significantly better schedule, a tougher schedule than we have. And they've been better in every area of the game up to this point in the season. So are you surprised that things went the way they did? And so it, it was one of the more infuriating games that I've ever watched. And until the Lakers wake the hell up with these little details about their identity, they're going to continue to flounder like this. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't all that, I guess to me, we lost this game in the first quarter and then in the fourth quarter, I thought in the second and third, we played well enough to win. We just need to start with some shooting like that, that lineup in the, in the starting lineup, it's just begging for shooting next to them. And we saw Russ get going a little bit. He got downhill, but you're right. There was a lot of settling. And I think the spacing and them settling are all intertwined to me. Like that, that's all part of it. How can you attack when there's three people in the paint? They were settling Raj with driving lanes. Like I saw it all night long. For sure. I agree with you. I just think like when you start a start the game with that, it sets up a tone. It it sets the tempo for the game. I thought that we played way too slow and the Clippers not turning the ball over. I was watching, uh, I had the Clippers broadcast for some reason uh, was playing and they were talking about how the Clippers were, you know, holding onto the ball. They weren't turning the ball over. And some of that was true, but I just feel, and you saw LeBron try to get a few steals, but we need to get out and run. We played way too slow. This game was played fully pretty much in the half court. And I think that leans to the Clippers. The Clippers are the better offensive team, uh, especially in the half court. They execute better. And I thought that really just, that's what made the game to me. There were, the Clippers didn't turn the ball over. We couldn't get out. They hit 46% of their threes tonight. That's with going, I think, four for, thir- for four for 13 or something from three at the half. So they were absolutely on fire in the second half. We were pulling the ball out of the net, and we weren't getting turnovers. So it was a slow game, walking it up. And that's the lead to, like you saw, a lot of you know actions that get LeBron or AD in the mid post. And it leads to these fadeaway jumpers. And I thought AD was aggressive. Uh, I thought he got a lot of offensive rebounds, minus the you know missed free throws. I thought he was really good tonight. Uh, but you're right, a lot of settling. And I, but I think that's all intertwined to me. Like definitely, LeBron and Russ were, were settling, but we need to put them with lineups that that make sense. Uh, that was my main thing from tonight. Like we need to put lineups that make sense. And I thought our defense was fine in the first quarter, and the zone made no sense to me. Did you see that, Jason? Like why are we zoning against the Clippers? Uh, who absolutely spaced you out. That made no sense. I thought our standard defense plays directly into their strengths. Exactly. Frank's whole double team thing was completely nonsensical. Paul, you get, you, 
if you're going to panic every time a superstar makes a contested jump shot, then we're going to double team every team, every star in the league. Like that's, that's playing against Paul George. When you play against Paul George, he's going to make some tough shots. You cannot change your entire defensive scheme to something we basically haven't done all year just because he made a couple of tough shots. Like it was Frank was all over the place tonight too. He was every bit as bad uh, Mm -hmm. as he usually has been this season. Well, to the like double team, like I understand because they don't want Malik Monk on Paul George, right? So you had Malik Monk in the game and the Clippers and Ty Lue, who's extremely good at what he does, went at Malik Monk every single possession. And that makes sense. He did that with Reggie Jackson too. And I was fine. If you're going to trap Paul George, the guy you don't, you can't leave Luke Kennard. Like that can't be the guy you don't close out on. Make Serge Ibaka shoot or make whoever else shoot. You can't leave Luke Kennard to me. I thought they did that way too many times. I thought we overreacted on Reggie Jackson. I thought he got a bunch of just ball fakes, straight line layups. Like, I get the trapping Paul George. That makes sense. You know, don't leave Malik Monk on an island with him. I would have rather just switched, uh, like you said, and, and trust your help behind them and trust that and make Paul George hit those tough shots. But I understand the idea of, of trying to uh, trap and get back to your man. Uh, but then they just completely fell apart. I thought we had no clue what we were doing. We doubled Sergi Baca in the post for some reason uh, late in the game. That's where Kennard got his first three. And then uh, he got a couple of wide open ones off of some miscommunications. So I thought that's what lost the game. It was close enough to win, uh, even with how bad they played, but just execution down the stretch was awful. We had no clue what we were doing defensively. And you're right, Vogel was all over the place. Yeah, so with the starting lineup um, that you brought up, this is the one time, the one area of the game where I would cut the Lakers some slack, their stars at least, for not driving the ball to the basket. You know, there. You every time you put a lineup together, you're trying to accomplish a certain list of tasks that need to be done on the basketball court, correct? Like I need a certain amount of shot creation, I need a certain amount of finishers, whether that's a vertical spacer or a guy who can knock down threes or a slasher who can catch and rip through and get all the way to the rim. And then defensively, I need containment guys, guys who can guard, guys who can dribble, guys who can chase shooters off of screens. And I need guys who can guard on the back line, do something to either tag a roller, disrupt an interior pass and defend the rim with verticality. You need to check all those boxes in order for a a lineup to have some amount of success. The starting lineup that Frank went with was so incredibly redundant. It was all dribble creators with uh, all guys that are going to, first of all, they defended fine with that lineup. That was obviously going to happen. But on the offensive end of the floor, it was totally redundant. Nobody that is a knockdown shooter in the entire lineup, all guys that are trying to get downhill with everybody's defender in the lane, stopping them from going downhill. And, you know, there's a certain aggregate spacing. Like I, I actually like using Dwight Howard as a big man alongside Anthony Davis to try to bring a little bit of, you know, a, a really like nuclear size wrinkle that confuses the other teams and really shuts off the paint. I like that, but it can't be with the starters because it can't be with Russ. You need to have a certain aggregate shooting on the floor that makes that lineup function. That needs to be a, either a, like a Russ off either three shooters or LeBron and two shooters with AD and Dwight, then you're going to get a lot of, of quality looks in that offense. And you'll be able to disrupt the other team with your overwhelming size, but going with the starters with Russ and THT whose defender will inevitably have a foot in the paint every time they don't have the ball and Dwight's man who's in the paint and LeBron and AD who in and of themselves are not fantastic shooters. You're, you're asking for failure. The, uh, our guy Cran just pointed out a sequence where, 
where THT drove and kicked to Russ, who was unguarded because Russ's man was in the lane, at which point THT relocated to the three-point line and Russ drove right back into the paint into THT's man and kicked out to THT. And it's like I'm literally on the couch trying to pull my hair out because I'm watching this team actively handicap itself. You have weapons there, but you you don't want to use all of them at the same time like that because their skills become redundant. Your offense gets crippled. And it, it, uh, it, if there's one thing I'll toss you in terms of the rest of the game, it does set a tone. When you set a tone for settling, that lingers. And that sort of thing can be the reason why LeBron is content to continue to take jump shots later in the game. I'm not letting him off the hook for that, but I'm just saying the starting lineup certainly doesn't help with that predicament. For sure. And I think, you know, the Clippers are a good team. They're a good, solid team. Uh, we, we tend to talk about the Lakers, obviously, but they're a good, solid team. I think Zubac is one of the best, you know, rim-protecting bigs. And when you just combine that with these spacing issues, it's going to be tough to score. The Clippers, I think, are the second-ranked defense, and you put you put a lineup, you put a already offensively challenged lineup against a really good defense. I think that's what it's going to look like tonight. But I don't really like to – I think, like, plus-minus sometimes is, you know, low-hanging analysis, and it's not always the best indicator of how a person played or how they impacted the game. But Wayne Ellington, a plus 15 in 20 minutes, and I thought that matched the eye test to me. Like, he takes shots that the Clippers were kind of begging you to take. Clippers zoned a lot tonight, and that makes sense uh, with our lack of shooting and all our uh, guys who just want to get to the rim. They played a lot of zone. It was a lot of ball kicks to THT open in the corner. I think he was, like, 0 for 3 from 3 tonight, and then just stopped shooting them. Uh, But, yeah, like, I thought Wayne Ellington was much needed. I thought he would start tonight. And even when he started playing well, I thought they would keep THT in the, se- in the starting lineup in the second half. I was okay with starting Russ, Wayne, and THT if you want to keep THT on Paul George, which isn't even what happened. They put THT on Reggie Jackson to start third, which is really confusing to me, which if you're not going to put THT on Paul George, then what's the point of playing him anyway? But that's the stuff that I would like them to move up to. And look, Vogel took DeAndre Jordan out of the starting lineup. That's step one. I think step two is putting a shooter um, in that lineup. And they're going to get picked on. We saw it tonight. Uh, Paul George isn't the greatest uh, comparison for that because not everyone has a you know 6'10 star wing like that. But they're going to get picked on. I just think there's ways around that, and you need your offense to uptick in a way where we're not playing from behind every single game. The Kings, even the the great win against the Kings, we were down 10 uh, before the, the tip, uh, before the ball tipped up in the air. So, I just think it's tough to win that way when you're just battling uphill all night. And I thought you saw that. You saw the fatigue as well. Um, and, and it's tough to play that way. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and at a certain point, Frank needs to feel the urgency. We've, we've noticed in the past that Frank is willing to make these sorts of adjustments as soon as he feels the gravity of the situation, which is what he did in the playoff run in the bubble. But like, man, mm-hmm. like we, we're a 500 basketball team. We have all our guys with the exception of Ariza and, and we are, we are, we're getting beat by mediocre teams. The Clippers are good. They're a good, mm-hmm. they're, they're a good team. They're, mm-hmm. they're not a great team. We're going to face a lot of better teams this year. That's a team at home with all our bodies that we have Sorry. to beat. That's a, that's a game we have to win. And so again, to your point, like spotting the other team, 10 points or, or a proverbial, you know, mythical 10 points, however you want to quantify all of the negative effects that come from that lineup, you're just setting yourself up for failure. They're just in general, like I said, keeping Dwight Howard in lineups that uh, have a certain amount of spacing so that you don't have to play him with the starters. You use that wrinkle with shooting, you know, keeping THT and Russ staggered so that his 
his skill set isn't completely wasted with the starters. The LeBron at the center, I actually like that look, but it needs to be a little mm-hmm. bit more switching and a little bit less traditional pick and roll coverage because LeBron's just not big enough to be a really effective drop coverage big. He's better if you can try to keep him, you know, rotating around in defense and communicating and flying around. Take advantage of the foot speed that that lineup has. You know what I mean? That's the advantage of that lineup. I thought they did a lot of switching in the second quarter with that group and it looked okay. But then in the fourth quarter, there was no, there, there was no switching and LeBron was getting barbecued in, in drop coverage against Isaiah Hartenstein. And so there was just a lot of really, really bad process tonight, but it's like, I, I can't even, man, I like, I can't even like stop finding places to point blame here because it's like, Le- they went to LeBron at the five in the second quarter and he would not drive to the basket. He had like a five minute stretch at the center with all of this spacing and shooting. And I counted one basket attack and it was in transition when he got the and one every single half court set. He was completely unwilling to put his head down and get to the rim. It's like the whole purpose of sacrificing all of our size and athleticism to put you at the five is to create space for you as a driver and as a role man. Like you have to realize on that. And like, I, I know I've been really critical of LeBron this year, but this team needs more out of him. They need him to be better. And there's only so much slack you can cut him on the, on the, in and out of the lineup front. Yeah. That, okay. I'm going to spot you that when you miss more jump shots than you usually miss, or when you need to sub out more frequently than you usually do. Cause you're tired. But dude, if you can't, there was a play where he had Isaiah Hartenstein in the corner with plenty time on the shot clock in the second quarter. And Wayne Ellington is wide open on the opposite wing. And Wayne Ellington's man is waiting under the basket. He could have either skipped it to Wayne Ellington or done a rip through on Isaiah Hartenstein, gotten to the paint and done a little pass along the baseline to the corner. And he jacked up a stupid step back three that he missed, which as I've pointed out on Twitter, if you look into the numbers, he's terrible with that shot this season. He's, he's money on catch and shoot wide open threes. He's right around 50%. I can't remember the exact numbers. It obviously changes every day, but he's shooting an incredible percentage on his wide open catch and shoot threes. And he's bricking the hell out of all these step back jump shots. And he just keeps going to them. And like, I, 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 it's, it's, I, I, it's been extremely frustrating because this, this is not the, the, the calves where you can BS your way through the season and you know that you're facing the Raptors in the conference finals. So you'll be fine. No, the meanwhile on ESPN, two teams that are 50 times better than us are battling out. We, we have a lot of ground to make up. We are in a position of urgency. LeBron has to be better. He has to be better. He has to understand what this team needs for him to be. Lean into what he's good at. And, and this ship will right itself. I thought Anthony Davis was pretty damn good tonight. LeBron has to catch up to that. He has to. Yeah, I agree with that. And those, you know, LeBron at the center lineups is de- are definitely new. Um, it's definitely stuff that they're trying. They need to get their defense in order in that as well. It was basically an Eric Bledsoe, um, Hardenstein pick and roll, and they got whatever they wanted. Like th- I think it was like three straight and ones. Uh, Hardenstein did like a, a triple handoff where he just faked the handoff and got right to the rim for a dunk. Just a lot of those plays uh, that we need to kind of sort out. And I think that'll work itself out. But you're right. You put LeBron at the five so he can drive and and find shooters. And I think it was Melo uh, Monk next to him in those. And he took jump shots. And that's a way for LeBron to kind of load manage through games. And I can't really speak to how much that impacts him. It's only what I think this is game 11 with Bron, AD, and Russ 
Russ playing, so it'll be a process. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He needs to be better for this team. I thought him and Russ need to kind of match um, AD's level. I thought AD was great tonight, all night. Uh, his jumper is going as well. That looks like that's trending upwards. Um, aside from the three point, did he take a three? Tonight? I'm not even sure if AD took a three tonight. I don't think he uh, took one tonight. Yeah, and again, in those lineups with no spacing, AD or the off guard has to be a shooter because LeBron's going to hit some threes. Russ. The other team will, you know, welcome Russ taking any type of three. Uh, so the, the AD and the off guard guy has to be a shooter if there's a traditional five out there. But I thought AD was was great again tonight. It looks like he's he's really picking up. You talked about him playing all these games in a row. He looks like in a rhythm. His offensive rebounding was good. I thought he didn't get calls tonight, but I mean he was missing at the line anyway. The Clippers hit like the Clippers. I think took like 20 free throws or something in the in the second quarter. Uh, but yeah, I thought he was good and. LeBron's going to ramp himself up. I'm not worried about him, but you're right. We're in an urgency situation here. We need to start winning, but I think we need lineups that are conducive to it too. Uh, I just don't think we can continue to start. T- like I, I taking DJ out, but then starting Taylor just, it, you don't, I don't feel like you don't gain enough offensively uh, in that, in that transaction. You know what I mean? Like you put in Dwight, who's actually less of a lob threat. It feels like, and then Taylor, who's a guy who's not going to shoot the three. We just have no spacing and it just, creates this tempo for the team that is so slow. I keep talking about it's so against the identity of Russ as well, a guy who wants to get up and down the floor. We just play way too slow. That's why Malik Monk pops off the screen. He gets in and it looks like he's playing at a speed like that. You know, on a podcast, you can put like 2.5 speed and stuff like yeah. that. Looks like when looks like when Malik Monk comes in the game, the game just goes to 2.5 speed, and we're in like 1.5 or whatever slower than the – or 0.5 speed uh, that's lower than the regular speed. But – yeah, man, I don't know. This was a tough loss. It looked like we could really build off that that Kings comeback, but again, just a little step back here. Uh, again, as we play Boston, I believe on on Tuesday or something. Another tough game, and another team yep. that's going that knows what they're good at. They have guys that just put their head down and go to the rim, and mm-hmm. and you know, like, did you notice that the game five like we the Clippers basically stiff armed us most of the game, kind of holding us in that five to ten point range. Oh yeah, and and Russ turned the game around at the end of the third quarter. He turned the game around. It started with one play. He uh, in in transition, Carmelo Anthony relocated to the weak side corner, and he just put his head down. Did kind of like that D Wade, like kind of rip over the top dribble. Kind of did, didn't. There was no space. There, there there was a big man under the rim. The defender was backing up and giving him a jump shot. He just plowed into his chest. Did that kind of rip over the top and kicked it to Carmelo Anthony. And he made a three. And then two additional times before the end of the quarter, Russ put his head down and got to the rim. It changed the tone of the way we were playing offensively. Our, our, this team has a clear pathway towards success. And it's LeBron, AD, and Russ applying rim pressure that will either create layups for them or high-quality three-point shots for their great three-point shooters. And then on defense, less janky defense, less zone, less – pick and roll coverages that our guys are just simply incapable of carrying out, just switch everything, stagnate them. And if you lose the occasional battle in isolation because of a mismatch, a guy gets to the rim or Paul George makes a pull up jump shot, you live with that. It's it's when they compromise themselves by making guys chase over the top of screens, which they're just bad at and making guys, the big guys defend and drop coverage, which they just haven't done a good job of this year. And then all of this like kind of random indiscriminate doubling, which is getting our defense out of, uh, you know, getting it out of organization. We're, we're, and then on the offensive end, settling for so many jump shots 
when the opportunities are there, we are playing away from our strengths. And, and to me, as long as we continue to do that, we're going to continue to underperform. Yeah, and you know, Frank has recently talked about how they're only going to one center lineups now, right? So not including yeah. AD as a center, which is funny, but going to only Dwight Howard. I think where this is moving and where the trend is going, and maybe we're just going to wait till you know till it gets bad enough where we just get here. But the the trend we're going to is just putting LeBron and AD at the four or five, right? Like that's where this needs to go to. Like we can mess around, we can try to. Uh, you know, walk around the walk around the issue here, but I think that's the main thing we need to eventually get to. LeBron AD at the four or five, Russ at the one, and if you want to put THD out there, fine, but get a shooter in there, and then that's how you have to play it to me because this starting lineup, starting uh, getting getting leads that are ten points, eleven points, trying to come back from downhill every game is just not going to work. It's not inducive to this team. It's not the identity of this team. Russ comes out and plays like. So, it's like a different player every single game that we get from the first quarter to the third quarter, right? It's like you, you talked about how he changed the game around. That was when we went small. Uh, it, it was only one center on the floor, I believe. When, when, when You're Russ absolutely turned, right, man. When, when Russ turned the game around. And it's just a different player, and we need him to be the, you know, again, we people qualm about the stats, the 25, 10, and 10 or whatever, but he needs to be at least producing. I'm not sure what uh, Russ had tonight, uh, but still, like, we need his production, man, to, to play. I think we had, like, 14 points in the first quarter with like two minutes left or something like like that's just not enough for a team with this much offensive firepower to be scoring 14 15 points even though i know the clippers are a good defense but still like i think that's the issue that we're walking around here i think taking out dj for howard that's like a step uh, that's like half a step in a direction but the main direction to me is going with the lebron at the four ad at the five and maybe we only see that when trevor reza gets back we saw reza kind of shooting around today uh doing some shoot around work. Uh, maybe that's when we get to it, but I feel like that's where this team is trending to all this other stuff. I feel like we're just kind of wasting our time until we get, get to that final point here. Yeah. I'm, I hear you. I, I think like there's obviously help on the way, but we're not getting the most out of this group. And that's, what's so infuriating about that is like, right. to your point, like, like you, Frank, I know you like to play Dwight I, I, or a center. I know you like to play a traditional center. It does not have to be with at the opening tip. It's just a terrible time to do it. Like you, <clears throat> I get that you want to get THT an opportunity to be aggressive with the basketball. It does not have to be with the starting group. You know, even, even with Avery Bradley, it's like, I get that you want to have this ball containment guard that sets a tone and, 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 and inspires the other players on the floor to play better defense. It does not have to be with the starting group all the time in NBA history. Guys have come in off the bench and brought defensive momentum with them that carries throughout the team. That was literally Alex Caruso for us last year. It's just, it's, it's so frustrating to me to see just blatant bad process undercutting this team because like with LeBron healthy, as much as I can't wait for a reason to get back, we don't need him to be a good basketball team right now. And, and, and it's just, God, I just don't even know uh, where else to go. Let's, let's move on to THC because I wanted to, uh, uh, to get into this with you for a minute. So as, as we saw again tonight, um, uh, he kind of fell apart with typical young guy mistakes. Um, uh, taking bad shots, committing fouls that made no sense within our defensive scheme. Um, the, obviously all the spacing concerns that come with the, uh, uh, with him, with the starters, I'm at the point with THD and you can tell me if you disagree, 
I'm at the point with THT where I think you need to ride him out the same way you do Malik Monk or, or Ellington or any of these other guards. Like if he's got it going, ride it out with him. But if he doesn't, there almost needs to be a quick hook with him because THT is a young player. And one of the things with young players is, man, when it rains, it pours. Like when they start making mistakes, they lose their head. And it's just like now, okay, I, I took a bad shot. So now I'm going to, while Paul George is in a triple threat on the wing, just stick my long ass arm right into his shooting pocket so that PG just has to raise his arms to draw a foul. Like that's just an unintelligent basketball play or catching the ball in the middle of the zone. And instead of turning and looking, just panic shooting a one like fadeaway, even though you're completely wide open. Those are young guy mistakes and young guy mistakes will come and go there. That's kind of typical for a player in that age group. But when you're seeing those nights where the mistakes are coming in bunches, young players don't have the mental fortitude to push through that and suddenly rein it in and start playing fundamentally sound, calm basketball. It's just impossible for them at that age. And so I think Frank needs to be quicker with his hook with THT. Like, okay, does THT have it tonight? Is he making his perimeter shot? Is he making smart decisions? Is he focused on defense? If he's, if he's doing those things, ride him out because then he's a $10 million player, maybe even more. But when he's not those things, he can actively hurt the team. And he was, I think, a minus eight in the first half of a, of a game that we only trailed by three. Um, and it just it, it's one of those things where the THT experiment is reaching a point where we're in an extended enough slump that we have to shorten the leash, in my opinion. Where are you at with THT? Yeah, and we went into this a lot in the last pod as well. I think it's a tough conundrum for for Vogel as well because I think THD is one of our better, you know, isolation defenders. And just to stick on a positive note, I thought he did do a good job on Paul George tonight as well as you can on an all-star like that. Like, he made him work. I thought we double-teamed a little bit unnecessarily as well. Like, when, when he had Paul George on the wing, I thought it was fine to leave THD on him. He was taking tough, contested jumpers. He had a few fouls, like you talked about, reached in, but... It's tough to like put THT in the, you know, bench him if he's not playing or if he's not like this is a they're trying to develop him. And, you know, when you play pay a player $10 million a year, THT is the fourth highest paid player on this team. You need to get your investment from that. You need to build him up. And I think that's the tough road that they're going to walk here. I think if you're not playing THT, then who do you kind of go to? I guess like they put in awesome shooting, as, shooting. Yeah, that that's true, and I would like that. But obviously, like Vogel's not going to play Wendell in 35 minutes a game. Like it, it's clear, like he's just not going to play him that much because because of the defensive issues. Like I think THT again. I keep saying this. He has the highest ceiling uh, of any of the players on the team right now in terms of like what he can be versus what he is right now, and that's a tough kind of game to play there i agree with you um i would like to attend more shooting i would like to see tht in lineups uh that don't have both russ and lebron on the floor i think that's like you said very redundant like it just all his skills become everything that he's not good at is what he has to be good at to for 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 lack of better <laughs> better term there like when you put him next to russ and lebron he's the third guy who needs to be a shooter and that's just not what he is i would love to see him uh maybe just next just next to lebron on on second units or or where he can lead a team where he can have some ball screen you know responsibilities but it's a tough tough decision man he's not shooting well he's not confident in his shot he was left wide open 10 again he's driving into lanes that are not open trying to kick out 
uh, those the screening with LeBron isn't as clear as isn't as smooth as it was before. So it's it's stuff that he's gonna have to work through, man. It feels like he's a staple of this rotation, and I don't think he's gonna be taken out uh, because of they need him on the defensive end as well. Uh, he just needs to shoot. He needs to shoot more. I think he's too good a shooter to be uh, to be to be this bad. Uh, to be this uh, not confident in his shot, so I don't know where to go from here. Though I don't think that he's gonna, I don't think he's gonna lose minutes. I just don't think the guards behind him are good enough defensively to where they're they're gonna play over him. Yeah, you know, did you see the note, the numbers that I shared the other day about how basically all of the Lakers' best lineups include at least two of their top three shooters? Yeah. Did you see that by any chance? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence, and I think it's because of the fact that you know, like Malik Monk, for instance. Um, he got attacked tonight in isolation against Paul George. And and there's a tendency to overreact to that kind of thing because I'm sorry, but like, again, I think, I think Paul George finished the game like seven for 20, like dude, like good players are going to make tough shots. Like that's just, that's just part of the game. You can't overreact to that sort of thing. Is Malik Monk getting barbecued to the basket for layups every time? If so, that's another conversation. But if he's, if Paul George is taking, uh, you know, uh, his normal diet of off the dribble jump shots that he's going to get against almost every player, but you're getting so much more out of Malik Monk offensively than it, as, a, as opposed to going the direction of, of a guy like THT who might be able to make Paul George feel a little less comfortable. And maybe he goes, you know, seven for 20 instead of 11 for 20 or nine for 20 or whatever it is, but the entire free flowing nature of the offense disappears I think that's what you're seeing manifest in those numbers. What you're seeing is that, in my opinion, when the Lakers play at least two of their three best shooters, then obviously I'm referring to Ellington, Monk, and Mello, the Lakers start to make some shots. And when they do, you know, LeBron, AD, Russ are more comfortable getting downhill, getting to the rim. And when the ball's going in the basket, it invigorates their defense. First of all, stops transition opportunities, gives them an opportunity to get back and set their defense. And then when they get their defense set, they're feeling good. They're feeling confident because they're scoring. And it just allows for a higher level of, of defensive output from a group that in theory would have lesser defensive output because of their talent. And that, that, I think that's what you're seeing in those numbers. Because as we've seen this entire season, all of the Laker lineups that go heavy towards defense are getting run off the floor. Whether it's when they go big, they're getting run off the floor in transition or with their, uh, you know, smaller lineups that are prioritizing the THT, Bazemore, Russ types, they're just not having enough opportunity on the offensive end to get easy looks to invigorate their defense. You know what I mean? And so that's, mm-hmm. that's where I'm at with this stuff that, that, that I think, I think that we should never have a lineup with none of those guys on the floor, which is why Ellington, I think is a, is a shoe in starter, right? But we need to do a better job of almost staggering the shooters so that we always have two of them on the floor, because that's just when we play at our best, that's our identity. And and, and I don't know what's taking Frank so long to embrace that. Let's stick on Malik Monk because I thought he was again, just incredible tonight and not just the shot making the way he played off LeBron. They really went to the uh, Malik Monk kind of coming up to set a screen and the Clippers like to switch. And the way you kind of beat a switch is you slip it and he did a great job slipping those screens. He got into the open floor. His drive game, his athleticism game to the basket. He only played 29. He played 29 minutes tonight, and I felt like that wasn't enough still. Like, I wanted to see him out there for, like, 35, 36, 
tonight. He was that He's good. been playing a lot of minutes this year, too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's minutes I've definitely picked up. His defense, I thought, is getting better other than that LeBron at the center lineup where uh, they really picked on him and with the Paul George at the end. But I thought he fought. He did a nice job on Reggie Jackson. To me, he has to play. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if he'll start. I think Valentin Valentin will be the next kind of starter in line. But I just love him. LeBron and Russ seem to have this chemistry. And again, he just pops up off the screen. Like, he's so energetic. Uh, he comes off, and it just looks like the game moves in a faster speed when he plays. But I just wanted to kind of give him credit tonight because I thought he was awesome. His shot making too, where he can shoot where he's not open, which I think is very key for this team. Like he's he's not wide open, but he's still able to get shots up. And he has enough off the bounce stuff, way more off the bounce stuff than I thought he would. Um, he, he catches, can attack off a closeout, behind the back stuff, floaters. Like I thought he was just really good tonight. And uh, he was a plus zero on the night, which I think a lot of that was uh, in that first half. I thought he played well, but I just want to give him credit because I thought he was good. Again, you're right. We need to keep our scores on the floor. I thought we overreacted a little bit at the end. I'm fine trapping Paul George. Like, I think that's an okay, you know, like, if you want to do that, that's fine. But there has to be some control out of that. Luke Kennard can't be the guy you leave. And I thought that's where we lost the game. We won the four, 36-32, uh, but it just wasn't enough because the defense at the end. But, yeah, Luke, Malik Monk needs to play, man. Like, he's been too good. He's shown way too much. He needs to play, and he needs to play a lot, at least until, I guess, Ariza gets back where we can kind of fill the roster out, I guess, as Vogel says. But uh, I would like him to, to keep playing more, man. I thought he was awesome again tonight. The, the interesting thing with Malik Monk is he's continuing to flash good dribble creation. Right. Um, that stretch there in the second half, a lot of it was actually initiated – by himself from the perimeter and then on the defensive end. And this is why they have to lean into switching, which is why I'm getting so annoyed by this over the course of the season. You know what? Malik did a pretty good job in isolation tonight. Yeah. Were there a couple of times where he let Paul George get a little too comfortable on those pull-up jump shots? Yes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, he's there. He's not getting beat to the rim. He's doing a good job of contesting shots. There were the ironically, the ones where he was giving more uh, uh, shots at the rim was against Eric Bledsoe who did a really good job of just dropping his shoulder into Malik Monk and displacing him. And then every time you just pump fake and get one of them off their feet, and then you just jump into them and get free throws. But the point is, is like that it, it, over the course of a game, the other team's going to score a lot of points. So like you, it's, it's if, if, if the majority of them come in isolation against defenders that may have a little bit of a disadvantage as opposed to up and down the floor in transition easy looks off of pocket passes, looks off of games. That's kind of the way that look at it. Like if you are forcing them to consistently isolation, you stagnate them. And over the course of the game, that can manifest in a bunch of different ways. Malik Monk, again, where I was seeing him getting killed on defense tonight was on screens. When they would run a pick and roll, and instead of switching it, LeBron would be in a drop and Malik would get caught on the screen. He's a small guy. He's skinny. That that plays into his weaknesses. And and so I, I just I'd like to see them kind of change up some of those uh, some of the way that they try to utilize these guys defensively, um, because I think you'd be able to get more out of them in that regard. But uh, again, on the offensive end, Malik is just incredible. Like he just it's ironic because this whole season he's been bad with wide open threes, but he's just making these tougher ones when the defenders closing out on him. And then he's continuing to flash that really high level closeout attacking that like like we talked about on the last pod that, you know, it's not just a rip through layup or a wide open three, but rather, you know, I beat a guy off the dribble 
there's help and I can kind of scoop around him for a nifty like left-handed finish or like a floater or that extra move if the help defender meets him further out from the rim. Like he's just, he's everything that we didn't have in the previous two seasons. And so I'm a huge Malik Monk fan. Um, I just think Frank is setting him up to fail when he asks him to chase guys over screens and, and, and defend and pick and roll like that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a positive defender, but I see him trying. I see him fighting for rebounds as well more like, and that's all you can really ask for him like a six, one guard. Um, I think he gives you enough offensively to where you can kind of live uh, with the defensive shortcomings that he has. And again, 29 minutes, like we'll see if he'll continue to play that. I just think we need scoring and he gives so much pop off the, off the bench for us. The Russ uh, and Monk lineups have been great. Uh, I think they're like plus 10 uh, in their lineups for the season. So that has, that has some chemistry that they're building there. And yeah, I would hope he plays more, man. But I just think if you're going to go with this, you know, big lineup uh, that you're going to start with, you have to have some shooting in that off guard lineup. And I think the quickest pull to me, put Wayne Ellington in there. He's a vet. He's a guy who he's not as flashy. He doesn't have as high ceiling as Monk, but it's just a solid player and it gives you shooting. And I thought the game changed when Ellington hit two threes. I thought that's when like the game kind of shifted. You saw the energy pick up. He was like, Again, he was a plus 15 tonight in, his, in, I think, 20 minutes, 20 short minutes, plus 15. And I thought the whole energy of the game changed when we had shooting in there. But Russ, Braun, AD with shooting, man, it's not, not, too, it's not too complicated uh, to put out there. It's an easy formula, an man. Easy it's formula. an easy formula. I, I get what Vogel's trying to do, and I totally understand it. The, the, and I thought tonight defense was a big problem, too, in the second half. Clippers scored a bunch of points in the second half. Uh, but... It's just not the identity of this of this particular team. Like it just isn't. This team feeds off its offense. Again, when you can't score and you're not creating turnovers on the other end, it's just a bad process. Uh, I thought we were lucky to be down three, honestly, at halftime uh, with all the free throws that we gave up. And I think we were like four for four for something from three as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. we were really lucky to only be down three. But yeah, man, we need to we need to uh, go into this identity, this offensive identity, because starting these games down 10 it's just not good process you're not going to win a lot of games you're not going to go on any 10 game win streaks i'll tell you that uh <laughs> what anthony davis kind of predicted the other day you're not going to go on any 10 game winning streaks playing like this so hopefully you get a win over boston again this is tonight's only game 11 of the braun ad russ uh trio did you know that it's only game it's wild game 11 and this is what game 12. game 12 though i think right because they were seven and four with lebron before i'm pretty sure oh okay game 12 okay yeah, yeah. For sure uh but yeah either way either way wild either way wild yeah not not very many reps here so hopefully that's that's kind of building uh but you know we're getting small small adjustments Vogel has said that Trevor Reese is going to come in and have a big role we'll see if that just shifts the whole team shifts everyone in their right positions but that's still probably a week away so and we have a couple games here uh but at least we got LeBron back at least LeBron's not out so that's a that's a good thing that's a positive (laughs) for this Friday and he's going to continue to look rusty like this until he can stay in the damn lineup. Like, I mean, and I, I feel for like there was that quote after the last game where Russ was like, I'm going to call LeBron as soon as I get out of here. Cause I know how frustrating it can be to be in and out of a lineup. And like, I get it. I, I sympathize with LeBron in that regard, but like, man, like this team needs him on the floor and you know what? He needs to be on the floor for his own game. Like he, there's a reason why he's, leaving all those jump shots short at the end of the game and missing all these layups. It's because the dude has literally played like 
three times total in the last what three weeks, like three or four weeks or whatever. Like the guy just can't stay on the floor. And, and it's been another, it's always been weird stuff, you know, like it, the, okay. Guy lands in your, you're, you're nervous about the, the pains. You're going to take it slow for a couple games. Okay. That's fine. Now you have this abdominal thing, you know, you're nervous about having to play through pain for most of the season. So you decide to give it a rest. Okay. That's cool. That makes sense. You get in a physical altercation with a, with a nobody on the Pistons and get yourself ejected for a game. And then here comes the COVID thing. It's like, man, it's like, he just can't catch a break in terms of staying on the floor and building his own rhythm. And I don't think we're going to, you know, there's been a lot of people this past uh, couple of weeks who have gone out of their way to uh, bring back the whole is LeBron washed card. I'm sure you've seen, uh, <laughs> seen that stuff all over social media and like, look like he might be, but hell if I know, I haven't seen the dude on the court. Like I, I like seriously, like, I mean, he might be watched. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't think he is. I I think that he'll, if he can manage to stay on the floor for a couple weeks in a row, he'll look like an MVP candidate again. I, I just, I just don't think he's reached the point physically where he can't do that anymore. I, I, I think this is a thousand percent related to conditioning and rhythm because the damn, the, the damn, uh, a, a never ending list of roadblocks that have knocked him off the court here, uh, you know, every other, every other game. So it's, it's just, I'm not worried about LeBron in, in, in any respect, but man, like I just, again, just when he's out there, he needs to understand what the team needs from him. And on this team, they, the, the whole point of this off season, the whole point of bringing in all those shooters was trying to recreate Braun ball right? Trying to recreate the spacing that guys like Russ and LeBron have thrived in over their whole careers. And until they lean into that identity, instead of having the same shot profile that you, that you have when you're, when you have no spacing, that's the part that's driving me insane. It's like you, you went this route to try to make it easier for you to get to the rim and I'm not even seeing him look at the rim in these games. Like it, like it's, it's not all spacing. It's not all conditioning. It's not all rhythm. The, he's got matchups against the guys who cannot guard him with an opportunity to get into the paint. And he's just not looking there. And if you want to tell me, Hey, he's ramping up. That's fine. I hear you. And I get that. That's probably what that's probably what his reasoning is. However, this team's not good enough for him to do that. This team's not good enough for him to kind of just trick it, trick his way through the season until late March and then be like, okay, time to get this team's not good enough. And the West is too hard. And they're going to find themselves behind the eight ball. If he doesn't start to understand what this team needs from him, I have seen in the last month, I have seen Russell Westbrook wake up. Russ looks fantastic. In the last week and a half or so, seeing Anthony Davis wake up. Anthony Davis looks fantastic. LeBron needs to join them there. He has to. He he just has. There's no, I, I can't go into it any further than that. He just has to. 
Yeah, and LeBron's not a guy, I guess, I worry about that kind of stuff. Like, I guess if Russ is going and if LeBron's your, you know, biggest worry, then I think you're doing fine. He was 9 for 23 tonight, which is just not a normal thing you see from LeBron. Usually 8 threes, 2 for 8 from 3. To me, I think the team needs his defense just as much. Though. Like you talked about, they brought, in, they brought on all these scorers, all these shooters, brought in Russell Westbrook as well, right, to take uh, some of the offensive load. They need him defensively, especially if you're going to play these LeBron at center lineups for only going one center. Like he has to be engaged on that end, and sometimes you just don't see it. Uh, again, with the Hartenstein uh, lineups, he got to the rim too. He's like he needs to be the backline guy and needs to be engaged on, on that end for this team to have a chance and i keep saying that might be unfair for a guy in year 19 but that's how the roster is we're having three stars and a team full of minimum players the other two minimum guys are tht who just turned 21 a couple days ago and kendrick nunn who hasn't played a minute on the floor everyone else is a minimum player every single other player malik monk as great as he is a minimum guy carmelo anthony in the late stage of his career minimum guy you need your three stars have to carry the load on both ends it's just how it is i think ad like we talked about has has met the moment as he should. He's the 28 year old in his prime. Like this is what he should be doing. I think Russ he has, looks great. Yeah, AD looked awesome tonight, and I think that's the biggest positive to take from the team from the last few days is AD and Russ, especially, has picked it up. Russ only 10 points tonight, only eight shots. Um, I think that was just a factor of him uh, again in the lineups, and I think some of that was just the Clippers are really good at taking away the rim, uh, and some of that was settling. All that was kind of mixed in there. Uh, but, I, but for the most part, Russ has looked good in the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, LeBron, I think LeBron, I don't really worry about that kind of stuff. I, I worry about it more on the defensive end because I don't think this is a team where he can coast on that end and they'll be fine. I'm not worried. I'm mm. just annoyed. Like, again, <laughs> sure. like, dude, like, like I, I just hold this guy to a different standard, I guess, than, than I like, man, like that, like I, I, I know it's in there. Like I, I, there's a version of tonight's game where LeBron is still rusty and where his conditioning is still poor and he still leaves some of his jump shots short, but he gets to the rim four or five additional times because the opportunities are there and they score a certain amount of points on those possessions, maybe seven, eight, seven, eight points. And you win this basketball game. Like, like that's, that's the way that I look at it. And that's the thing that I can't, like I, that's the thing that I can't ignore here. Like I, I can I, I am, you guys know I'm a LeBron fan. Like I, 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 he's my favorite player. The dude got me into the game of basketball. I, 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 when he's at his best, I will be the guy singing his praises, but like they, they just need more out of him than what he's giving. And I, and after that loss against the Kings, a couple, uh, like a week and a half ago, he came out and said, or I guess it was actually a week ago. I think it was last Friday night. But uh, anyway, after that loss against the Kings, he goes, I have to find a way to be better for my team. And after that, he came out against Detroit and he had exactly what I'm talking about. A game where he's still rusty, where he's still not in a rhythm, where his jump shot still wasn't really falling. But he was physically aggressive on both ends of the floor and his team got a win. And they needed it from him because as you remember in that game, nobody on the damn team could shoot. And we barely beat Detroit. Um, but that was in large part because of LeBron and AD and what they were doing on, the, uh, on, on both ends of the floor. Like they just, and I had a good feeling about tonight because I thought we were trending in that direction. And, and all night long, up until the end of the third quarter, really bad process, a ton of settling. And that's, that comes from the top down. That comes from Frank and that comes from LeBron, you know? And, and all of a sudden, 
you see Russ start putting his head down, trying to get to the rim, even when there's limited space. And voila, all of a sudden the Lakers look like a good basketball team again. It's like, it's so not complicated to me. And this is the last thing I'll say, because we're getting here to the end and I want to hear your, you know, your two cents on this as well, but this is going to bring it back to that initial point. Like the Clippers know what they're good at. They know who they are and they lean into it. There's always Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris in each corner. And here comes Hartenstein or Ibaka setting high screen or just spacing. And here comes Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Eric Bledsoe trying to get downhill to the rim. And, you know, maybe they give Paul George a little more leeway in terms of off the dribble shooting, but they just lean into their strengths. And those guys like Kennard, Marcus Morris, they are gunning. Like they catch it's, they're just shooting, shooting, shooting. And for whatever reason, we can't figure out that same formula. We can't figure out, play our shooters, get LeBron and AD and Russ going downhill, have them either finish at the rim or kick to the shooters. That's our offense. Our offense is not playing a bunch of non-shooters, having LeBron and AD take step back jump shots. Because if they do that, we will get outshot by other teams that are good at step back jump shots because that's what they're good at. That's their strength. Our guys are six foot nine, 260 pounds downhill basket attacker and six foot three, 200, whatever pounds downhill basket attacker. And the guy that everyone compares to the greatest power forwards of all time. That's our guys. We don't have James Harden on our team. We don't have Paul George on our team. We don't have finesse shooters on our team. So we cannot afford to play with the packed paint. When we do that, we are specifically undercutting what our, our stars are good at. And we, and we have to understand that concept. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at too. I was thinking about this because when I was – the game I believe was tied with six minutes left in the game. It was like six minutes left in the game. The game was tied, uh, and we had all our guys out there. They had their guys out there. And that's usually when LeBron decides, I'm just going to the basket, right? I'm going I'm to take who I want. I'm going to get the matchup I want. I'm going to matchup hunt. I thought back to that Clipper game uh, that we played right before the bubble uh, where he pretty much just took Marcus Morris to the rim whenever he wanted. That's not really what mm-hmm. happened tonight, right? And maybe this is just – this is an urgent game for us and not an urgent game from them. Maybe that's kind of how I'm trying to look at it as well. This is a ramp-up time, and there were quotes coming out today. LeBron said it's extremely frustrating that he hasn't been able to play four straight games. I mean, that's something as well to get him ramped up. But you're right. I would like to see them go with more spacing. But, I mean, to be fair, we kind of did at the end of the game, right? I believe they went to Carmelo and Malik Monk next to uh, Russ, LeBron, and AD. And I think the defensive issues were kind of – Yeah, and then we undercut that by double ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I would like to switch more there. Again, though, I understand what Vogel's trying to do. He doesn't want Paul George getting Malik Monk on a one-on-one situation. And then Ty Lue and them really took advantage of that. They made Luke Kennard the screener there. So if you trap as Luke Kennard on a – it was uh, genius. Yeah. That, that design out of the timeout was genius. It caught the Lakers with their pants down, yeah. <laughs> which again is a Frank thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then also I, the zone just made no sense to me. Zoning up with them having Marcus Morris, Lucas, Luke Kennard on the floor, just going in a zone made no sense as well. Just a lot of stuff that – that's, the, I guess, the most frustrating part, and I guess we can close with this, is these are all fixable stuff, right? It's, none of this is yeah. like – none of this is stuff that they can't fix or – Again, there are roster roster issues to the to this team. There are deficiencies at every on every level on every player. But a lot of stuff is fixable. A lot of stuff is stuff that they can control. 
Um, and a lot of stuff that should uh, trend upwards as the season goes here. LeBron is eventually going to get in a rhythm. That's just what we've seen the last 20 years or whatever. Russell Westbrook seems to have picked it up. Anthony Davis looks like the top five guy that we've been begging for all year. That's stuff that is looking up. There are just marginal things that we need to change. Uh, to get some of these losses into wins here. But tonight was a close game. Like, you throw away how frustrating it was. Marcus Morris banked in the three to put him up six, uh, doubling off Luke Kennard. But it was a close game against a team that's pretty actually solid. Like, that's the that's the 30,000-foot view. You always ask me the 30,000-foot view, view of this. <laughs> that's the 30,000-foot view, right? Take away how we lost. It was a close game against a good team. There's a lot, And with a lot of bad process mixed into it. Uh, so that's where I'm kind of at, this, at with this. If you can win against Boston, that kind of maybe it can help with this. Boston's another good team. Uh, I think they played a good game against Utah tonight. Uh, but that's where I guess this team moves on to is continuing to find who they are. And I think it's playing the shooters. I don't think, again, I don't think plus minus is everything. But Wayne Ellington being a plus 20 in a game we lost by, you know, six or seven. I think that that tends towards something that tells you something uh, with how the game went. So hopefully uh, we put in some different lineups in the next game. But there's no one fix here, uh, but there are fixes to be done. I guess is my final saying on that. Well, this is why I need Raj. <laughs> I need Raj because he is capable of bringing the positivity. Um, <laughs> you know, it's ironic because I feel like I used to be a Laker, a Laker optimist, but this team has this team has stressed me out more than any basketball team that I've ever watched because. I have never seen a team. This is like, this is, you know what this is not? This is not the 2013 Lakers. This is not Steve Nash is actually washed. Dwight Howard has a bad back and Kobe is stuck with the entire workload. That's not what this is. Oh, not at all. No. This, this is Le- LeBron. Obviously the only wrinkle that I'll really toss you, even aside from all the other lineup stuff, even aside from all the guard swapping of all the, you know, Trevor Reza injury, everything LeBron's inability to stay in the lineup has been the only excuse I would toss this team that would actually justify how poorly they've played. And when he's played, they're seven and five against a dog shit schedule. The point is, is that this team has a, a player in LeBron who is very much even in his limited state, a top 10 player and Anthony Davis, who is trending up towards being in the conversation as a top five player. And Russ looks great. We can't be this bad. We can't be this bad. It, it, it's, it, it, it is confounding to me, but anyway, guys, I, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox again. I I'm thankful for Raj because I, I, I need him to counterbalance some of the negativity that I've been bringing to the pod lately. Um, but so we're heading into a funky stretch here because we have three straight days off. The Lakers don't play again until Tuesday. Um, I'm thinking, so I'm golfing in a charity golf tournament tomorrow. So Raj, I'm thinking maybe Sunday morning For we'll sure. get together and do something. Uh, maybe we'll touch on the league at large uh, at that point. Cause we've been talking Lakers endlessly. Um, and then we will be back for our normal, uh, post game show on Tuesday. No dash radio for this one since it's a Friday, but this will be on our podcast feed here in about 15, 20 minutes. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support. I know Raj does too. We have been blown away by how many of you guys have been hanging out with us after these games and 
and, and rocking with the pod. So I just want to extend my gratitude to all of you guys. And I look forward to uh, being able to record again with Raj on Sunday. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate coming out on a Friday night.